This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again to another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Tonight, I'm going to cover Section 8 housing and whether or not you should allow it in your mobile home park you know really on your mobile homes because it's more common on the homes i don't frankly know if it's allowed on the lot rent per se i don't think so but uh, a lot of these episodes here i kind of just go from the hip this is partially that but partially i just googled real quick should i do section eight because i'm sitting here it's late i'm tired my assistant keeps telling me that I need to put some more episodes in the queue. So I was just dealing with the Section 8 tenant. So I figured let's tell you guys what the internet says about Section 8. And I'll tell you what I think and if I agree with it or not. But I don't know if you can have Section 8 on the lot rent piece. And I'm honestly right now too lazy to look it up. I do know you can get on the home rent piece because I've done it, frankly. I do have residents who are on Section 8 vouchers. They call it vouchers or someone would say I'm on housing or I'm on voucher, or I'm on, they don't, section eight's like a taboo word right now. They're like, nah, we're more, and I just said taboo, it's supposed to be taboo, but I used to play this game taboo, it's pretty fun. Anywho, some of them call it, they now try to spin it as choice housing. It's like, is it really choice housing? I don't know. Ultimately, section eight is a form of government subsidy whereby the resident pays a portion or perhaps up to none of the rent plus utilities so pros and cons stereotypically and uh, historically these residents have gotten a bad reputation so a lot of landlords do not accept them which really gives us who do kind of an advantage now in general in the industry most of us don't like park owned homes because you gotta you know they mess up your financing they you know, in the long run, they require more maintenance, they require more repairs, or you know, worse financing, it's harder to scale. So parking homes in general may not be the best, but if you're going to do rentals, should you rent Section 8? I say yes, but only partially, like within reason, like only do some. So for example, if the home is old and crappy, it's not going to pass inspection, so don't even try one of the cons of Section 8 is you have to go through their inspection process. Now, most inspection stuff is pretty normal stuff that you should probably do anyway. Doors that lock, windows that close and lock. The water heater's got to have the proper pipe that doesn't shoot the hot water all over the house. It can't be, like, literally, it's like you can't have vomit or feces in the carpet or the refrigerator. I'm like, come on, those are pretty low standards. So that stuff is like, duh, common sense, even though, you know, I'll be honest, I probably have a mobile home or two out there that has a window or two that doesn't open, but I've got, you know, reasonable access to windows, things like that. You need fire extinguishers. Obviously you should do that anyway. You need smoke detectors. You should do that anyway. You need GFCI outlets in the bathrooms and kitchen. GFCI outlets are standard with all newer homes and some cities require them anyway for the CO or for the permit. So it's not that big a deal to add some GFCI outlets. So generally I will easily pass inspection on these. Um, sometimes I get sideways with them where I'm, they're like, you need to replace the carpet. And I'm like, 
the carpet just needs to be, it's just, it's just a little dirty. I mean, we've cleaned it, we've shampooed it, it's just a little stained. And they don't like that. Um, the, the kind of the, the you know general rule is just because these people are poor doesn't mean they shouldn't have the same kind of housing and livable, livability standards people that are poor, which, okay, that makes some sense. Sometimes they get nitpicky. Um, but overall, they can work out. Um, what's pretty favorable in mobile homes is generally our rent is cheaper than similarly sized or bedroom count other housing. They generally don't even go by square footage. They go by bedrooms, bathrooms. People get this little gold piece of paper that says like, hi, my name's John Smith. I've got a three bedroom voucher. Well, a three bedroom voucher in Kansas City is worth $1,400. Okay, cool. I usually rent my mobile homes for nine fifty. Uh, yeah, I'll rent you one for fourteen hundred. And they want to see comps and all that kind of stuff. And generally, sometimes the Section Eight is regulated by a county or a rural government or by a city or some sort of other quasi-government agency. And you got to pull comps in that geographic territory. But sometimes you can push the rents um, and be like. And what's really good on these is you have a small three-bedroom, for example, like a fourteen by sixty. It's still a three-bedroom. Well, most of the comps are bigger than that, so you may. Um, rent that as section eight, whereas your um, 16 by 76 free bedroom, you don't rent section eight. Now you have to be super careful not to discriminate. Obviously you don't discriminate on things like race, creed, color, etc. But you can't be like, oh, this home is a section eight home. This one's for poor folks. You know, it's like, no, it's the same price. What I do in all of my rentals is I require a double security deposit. And that makes it harder to rent homes, to be honest. But it's better, in my opinion, because it's like the first litmus test of people that have, if you can only scrounge up a single month security deposit and a single month rent, you're probably paying me at the last landlord's money, right? So I'm not, I'm not that jazzed about you as a tenant. So I really like the double security deposit. One of the benefits of Section 8 is they require, at least to my knowledge in all instances, they require the resident to put up the security deposit. And they also regulate these people where they make them, they come and they inspect the homes on themselves and by themselves. And if they mess the home up, they make them fix it on their nickel. So that's kind of cool. So the old stereotype was that these were really rough houses, really bad people. But I don't think it's true because these people have already passed through screening that they are not criminals, that they've not beat the hell out of houses and that they have uh, their own security deposit. And then to some degree, they can pay their share. So some they have to look at a formula. They do an analysis of, like I've got one lady, she pays zero, which is great. The federal government, it's one of the pros of this program. It's federal government or state government through the Fed generally will pay 100% of the rent in this instance on the first of the month. Sometimes they'll be like, we only pay on the seventh, which is kind of stupid, but whatever, I don't care. Pay on the seventh. It's coming every month. It's golden. One of the cons and a pain point I had was I didn't realize this, um, and, and it arguably was in the fine print of the contract, and I just didn't read it or didn't catch it. Shame on me. But I actually think it was poorly drafted, and you couldn't really tell what it meant. But basically, what happened was this woman, she, during COVID, they didn't make, they didn't do the inspections because they're like, everyone's going to die of COVID. So we're not going to make people go inside houses. So I didn't have to do the inspection. I had to sign some sort of affidavit saying the home was going to pass, which I thought was going to pass, whatever, right? Well, then like 11 months later or something, they decided to do the inspection. Well, the woman had a boyfriend that had moved in and she was, and you're not supposed to have non-approved people live there, right? Because what happens sometimes, I had a rental house one time, man, 
to ladies in Section 8, and she had a 10-year-old, and then she had a 14-year-old, and then she had a 25-year-old move in, and then she had a 38-year-old cousin move in, and then she had her mom move in. And I'm like, good grief. You're supposed to be a single mother of one. All these people are in this house. If some of you people got jobs, you wouldn't need to be on Section 8. Um, that's my capitalist uh, red state mentality showing there that, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. But anywho... The part of the point of the program in this instance was they want this poor little woman. Let's call her name Cheryl. Cheryl was supposed to live there by herself. Well, Cheryl had a boyfriend. So Cheryl jumped town the day before the inspection because she's like, I'm going to get kicked out of the program. I don't know why she didn't like pack her boyfriend up. I know he lived there. I didn't care. Why she didn't pack him up and put his stuff in the shed and pretend she lived there by herself. So she left. So I was pissed and I only let her, and her rent was like 50% Section 8. Unlike the lady three houses down, it was 100% Section 8. So I was pissed. I was going to get stuck with half the rent. So I reach out to Section 8 and say, hey, this lady bailed. She's not going to pay her half. You guys have X number of months left on the lease. I expect you to pay both halves. To which they said, oh, well, if she doesn't live there, we can't pay. It's like, what? Like, well, we can't pay if she's not living there. So since, she, since she left, it's your problem. And I was like, wait a second. I literally only approved her because I knew you guys were good for most of the money or half the money. You're telling me that now you're not good for it at all? So I was pretty pissed. And they stiffed me. So those of you that know me, which most of you don't, I I, uh, I love, I like to win. But I hate to lose. So I don't take losing very well. Never really have. So this woman's name was Debbie. Man, I want to give her cell phone number out right now, but I'd probably get in more trouble. But her real name is Debbie, so I'll tell you that. And I had Debbie's cell phone number, and she was the head of the housing program for the whole county. And I said, Debbie, this is a nice big park. I had a ton of hits. And Section 8 residents, the first question you get on your Facebook ads is, is it available? That's the generic, like, easy button. Yes, it's available, right? Do you take Section 8? Second question. Most people say, no, 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 no. One of the nice success stories I had was I let this really nice couple in, this elderly couple, and he had back problems and all this stuff. He was hurt. He couldn't He couldn't work. They were like salt of the earth people. And I put them in there and they've actually just improved the heck out. Like I would put their house like in the on the company website, like in a, in a postcard. It's so nice that they fixed it up so nice. On their nickel, put in chandeliers, put in new flooring, put in cabinets, painted it. I mean, it's unbelievable. And on my house. But... Anyway, um, that lady, her name was Rena. She was a sweetheart. She gave me a hug and started crying and said, 780. I said, what are you talking about, 780? She said, 780 people in a row told me no when I asked the question, do you take Section 8? And I said, okay. I said, I'm open to it if the government uh, works with me. So it was kind of sweet. Well, in this other instance, old Debbie decided that she was going to stiff me on both halves of the rent and the remaining, whatever, four or five, six months at least. So I post, so I, again, the number one question on Facebook, is it available? Number two question is, do you take section eight? Or do you, do you allow pets? That's the other number two or number three question. So on the section eight question, I said, we used to, but there's an error in the policy with the central housing department of this county Please contact Debbie here. And I gave him Debbie's cell phone number. And I even put it in the ad. I went a step further. 
and you know, you post an ad on Facebook, you know, in a nice market, nice house um, for rent, you get hundreds of hits. So Debbie's cell phone was just blowing up. So then she calls me and she emails me, she's pissed and she demands I take it down, which I'm like, I thought your life mission was provide affordable housing and more affordable housing, Debbie. I'm trying to help you do that. I'm giving you leads. Now, maybe these people can't live in my park because I put, oh, by the way, I put no, no section approved until Debbie changes her policy. So people are begging Debbie to change, Debbie to change her policy because, you know, the first 780 people say no anyway. So anyway, we got in a big fight about it. Um, and I just quit doing section. I'm not doing it. And I just basically, I said, you're the person hurting these people that need it. So I'm getting on a tangent. Um, I, at some point I did a Google research on this, but I'm not even paying attention to it. Um, but the downside of the of the program, people like Debbie, who make life difficult and want you to jump through their hoops, and then when their resident causes a problem, they don't own up and like own their share of the rent. So that was unfortunate. So that's the that's the big downside is the red tape and the speed it take. Oh my gosh, it's like slower than the second coming. I mean, you're talking eight weeks sometimes to get resident approved. So I only rent. I don't. I don't like you know, discriminate and only rent the quote bad houses on section eight, but I don't rent the premier houses because uh, frankly, I just don't need to because they, the premier houses will rent in like a minute and the section eight people like it takes forever. And then they, and they get their butt hurt all about, you want me to put up a deposit, a double deposit? Is that because I'm section eight? I'm like, no, it's because it's for rent. It's everybody. But they've like, I had a lady the other day, she's just bagging me. And she's like, look, I got 900. I was like, great, 900 is the rent. Well, section eight pays the rent, 100%, great. She's like, I got my 900, just got my tax refund. Said, do you have 1800? No, who's got 1800? I said, the person that's gonna move into this home. Do you have 1800? She said, no. I said, then you're not the person that's moving in this home. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but my quote statistics or my background says, if you don't have a lot of skin in the game in the form of security deposit or down payment, you're probably not that pregnant on the deal. You're probably not gonna stick with it. I don't wanna have to evict you. I don't have to do this game all over again. I wanna get something in here. I love section eight if they stay there for 10 years, right? So you gotta comply with all their hoops and loops. So. You know, in general, you got to comply with the law, right? Section has a lot of laws, a lot of regulations. It's not that bad, except for the speed. Um, depending on your location, you can make premium rent on them, um, especially if there's no other comps and you got to go look at single family, three bedroom. You can be like, here's the market. Uh, three bedroom is 1100, even though my mobile homes are rented at 900 and you might get 1100. Sometimes it's the opposite. So Section 8 seems to work on like the medium value homes, like the 80s, 90s, like good enough to pass inspection, but not your 2023 bedroom. The 2023 bedroom, Section 8 rents it for the same price as the 1993 bedroom. So it's like in the, in the real marketplace, I can't rent the 1990 for the same premium. So that's where there's some, some value add or some kind of uh, strategic advantage. When you, you know, can rent your B houses at, a, at market A prices. You know, I think I've covered some of that and I'm looking at the website here. Now I've looked at some of the other advantages, you know, increase your tenant pool, right? Like there's a lot of people, places that don't, don't appreciate it, don't accept it. The rent's quote guaranteed, yeah. This website's lying. It's not guaranteed. I just give an example. The risk is greatly diminished. Yes and no. The downside also is that it's hard to convert these people to buyers, right? Because they have they get a, they got a golden check from the taxpayer, I mean the government. So hard to convert them. 
There is another Section 8 program that I didn't know about, honestly. That's a matching program. I had a tenant that they their share was like four hundred a month, and then they had to if they set aside another four hundred a month in like a piggy bank, Section 8 like held it for them in escrow, and then Section 8 matched it. But you can only do it for so many months, so these people got to eleven thousand dollars, and Section 8's like you've maxed out. So they called me like, I want to buy this house. I got eleven thousand. And I was like, that's that's pretty much what's worth actually. Like deal. And they paid 11,000 cash. It's like, no way. So that's another Section 8 program. They also have some kind of ancillary programs. We had a woman that was, um, well, I won't get into details. They have victim support programs where if you're abused in some, some respect, it's like a Section 8 victim abuse, where that's like save the, save the day, you don't get evicted right now. Those programs have more hair on them, like you can't evict somebody down the road, can't charge late fees, et cetera. So it's, it's different, but um, they can help out as well. Um, disadvantages of the program, let's see what the website says here. Uh, if the tenant damages the property, they don't have any money because they're low income. Yeah, that's generally probably true. Honestly, I don't really pursue uh, garnishments or judgments anyway, because most of the time, all I care about is possession. So overall, I would say my Section 8 residents are probably better than my average park-owned home resident as it pertains to damage of the property. Because if they damage the property, Section 8's in there. Uh, I, mean, I had a lady, she put like a bed and a big screen TV right in front of the window. And it was a bed with like a big frame. And Section 8 came in like, man, slapped her around. Like, you're blocking the egress window. Don't do that. Like, I wasn't going to be in there checking for that. I just said, here's the house. Go put your furniture in there. They were checking for egress. So to some degree, these residents are better because they're higher regulated and they've already gone through like another level of scrutiny. I just think the negative is you can't convert them. You can't sell them. And the government's slow. So, and then and the, you got to go through more hoops on the inspection. So sometimes it's like, I have 16 windows. Two of them don't lock. Or don't, not no lock. Don't open. They're like permanently screwed shut. Like, but the one immediately next to it can open. Like in the event of fire, they'll go out the second window. It reminds me of my, my friend Steve. He had a famous, well, famous, let's be honest, but Mitch Hedgerman, I think his name was. He was, a, he was a comedian. I thought he was funny. It's kind of dry humor, um, which I kind of appreciate. But he was standing, his joke was he was standing in a club and he was blocking the doorway. And the bouncer said, you can't stand there. It's a fire exit. He's like... I'm just standing here. He goes, but it's a fire exit. And he said, sir, anything that is flammable and has legs will not be standing here in the event that a fire breaks out. Which I always thought was kind of clever. So I kind of think that about Section 8. Look, anything, anyone that is in a home that is on fire and there are 16 windows and two of them don't open, they will leave through the other window. Or, God forbid, they will jump through the two that don't open. But Section 8 doesn't mind. They want you to put a new window in. And those of us that are in the trailer park business know a regular door or a regular window at Home Depot is cheaper than a trailer door that's smaller. So it's like you, you, you can spend a couple hundred bucks on a window and $500 on a door. Cheat code on the door, by the way. Rather than buy, I like Royal Supply. I'm going to knock on those guys. But you can buy a regular door at Home Depot for like half the price you can buy a mobile home door at Royal Supply. So the cheat code is go buy a big wood door at, uh, what's the name of the place? Habitat for Humanity. You can buy it for like 50 bucks and just cut it down to size. 
plane it down to size and then put hinges on it and put it in there and you got a hardwood door which is better than you get anyway and it works so anywho section eight is a little bit of a pain on that um key is you gotta apply is the website here says you gotta apply the same screening standards yeah duh it just makes sense you can't be like no people who are purple right it's gotta be i always say i don't care if you're white black or purple you know i care don't do drugs pay your rent on time don't ruin your neighbor's life I mean, don't ruin your neighbor's life. Follow the rules. If I'm trying to have a, have a beer on my porch with my buddy and you got 19 bicycles in the yard, it's going to ruin my life a little bit. If you're trying to sleep and I'm blaring my Led Zeppelin at level 10, it's going to ruin your life. Some of you are wondering now if I actually listen to Led Zeppelin. You'll never know. All right. Bottom line, I think you can do Section 8. Um, do, it in, do it in doses. I wouldn't have a whole park of it, um, especially because the financing rules, which I've covered in other episodes, you want to be below 35% park-owned homes in order to get agency finance, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you want to sell homes, convert homes, blah, blah, blah. But overall, uh, I am not anti-Section 8. A lot of people are, but um, I've, I've got, I don't know how many, not that many, to be honest, but, you know, 10 or something like that, Section 8. There's more paperwork, there's more process, there's more inspections, but you can probably make a little more money and you've got tenants that are extra vetted. And if you got a home that's hard to move for whatever reason, because it's like bad layout or something, just throw an ad up there and say, home available, section eight ready. You will be blowing up. You have to wait six to eight weeks to get the people in there. But it's like impossible not to rent a house, Section 8, because so many people won't do it. So anyway, uh, I think it's worth adding to your portfolio and your repertoire as one of your your offerings. And it's pretty fun, too, when you get somebody in there. Right? I'm, I, I can be negative at times. But I'll tell you, when you, tell, when you find that person that's like no one else will let us in and they're good people and you let them in, that's kind of nice, too. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm helping you out. Like, I'm, I'm still going to charge you for rent obviously but i'm gonna give you a home you people that are living in hotels and stuff that's like the worst people are like yeah i live in a hotel week at a time it's 500 a week you're like what you're paying two thousand a month for a hotel so anyway section eight's not the devil um probably not the angel but it's it's worth pursuing in my opinion in reason it's probably a minority opinion, to be honest, but uh, I've done it for years and I used to do it in single family and stuff. It was, I was, I liked it less in single family actually, but anyway, section eight, give it a shot till next time. Thanks. God bless. You've been listening to the mobile home park lawyer podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.